Hey, let's, uh, who started that round of applause back here? Right there, let's get after it this morning. So, you know on the Sunday when you show up that if I am wearing a tie and Russ is wearing a tie, one of two things is happening. Either you have found your way into a wedding ceremony or it's Easter. Those are your only two options because those are the only two times we wear ties. So, welcome to Easter service, everybody. Uh, Can I have all of the kids right where you're at right now just stand up? Hey, how good are our kids looking today, huh? So parents, right now, if you have little ones in the service, I just want you to take a couple of deep breaths, okay? We understand that little kids are in the service. We understand that little kids aren't always the quietest, and that's okay because we are a family and we are here to worship together. So uh, parents, don't be stressed at all because we are here and it's Easter Sunday and today is an incredible celebration. Kids, we are so excited that you're in the service with us and in a few moments we'll have a very specific part of our service for you, all right? So uh, that's all I have to say at this point to welcome us. Let me say a quick word of prayer and then I'm going to invite up my good friend Brooke and she's going to lead us in our call to worship this morning. Let's pray. Risen Lord, we gather today to celebrate you. We gather today to celebrate the remarkable resurrection, that there is life after death, that you conquered death. We gather here because that is what gives us purpose in our lives, and we are so thankful to be back together in this place to be able to worship you as a community. Be with us this morning. May we hear from your spirit. May we be encouraged. And God, we are just thankful, so thankful to be here. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Uh, As my friend Brooke is coming up, I want you, just as you're seated, turn around to somebody near you and just say, peace be with you this morning. Good morning, new community. He is risen. Yes, okay, you know the tradition, good. Um, This morning's call to worship is a prayer of welcome. So I just want to invite you to take a deep breath and kind of settle into your seat. Um, Just take these words in as we welcome the risen king this morning. The words will be on the screen so you can follow along as I read. Welcome to the passing of darkness. Welcome to the deaths undone. Welcome to the movement of dark clouds. Welcome to the cleansing of hard rain. Welcome to the hope that feeds the green. Welcome your brothers, sisters, and siblings. Welcome to your friends, neighbors, and coworkers. Welcome to your children, parents, and your partners. Welcome to your close quarters. Welcome to your conflict resolved or unresolved. Welcome to the intention of forgiveness. 
Welcome to the transformation born of grace. Welcome to second chances. Welcome to the resurrection. We pray in the name of God, our creator, Jesus, our redeemer, and the Holy Spirit, our guide. Amen. All right. Good morning again, new community. We are glad to be up here. So you've noticed that there's three of us up here this morning. There's a reason for that. Uh, But before I get into that, let me just say, how good does it feel to be here together, right? For, uh, For some of you, you've attended one of our last services or two. For many of you, this is your first Sunday back. And uh, so welcome back. We're glad you're here. But let me just say this. As a staff, as a leadership team here at New Community, well done. This last year has been challenging. This last year has not been easy. And for many of us, uh, we were tried and tested in ways that we could have never planned for. And I think the reality that we sit in these pews this morning together is a testament to the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ Amen. and the fact that we still follow and that we still believe and that we are sitting here together ready and willing to worship that. So, uh, well done. As we were away for the last year uh, through podcasts, and uh, I've been told you can't call them video casts, no, although that's no. what I call them, but mm-hmm. uh, Joseph assured me that that really dates me to call them a video cast. So, <laughs> it's just not even uh, pod, video, podcast through video, the medium of video. Um, we, uh, we, we had a lot of different formats, right? One of the things that we heard resoundingly over the course of that 52 weeks of uh, different ways to try to provide content to preach through the Bible was that uh, the times that we were more conversational were some of the times that were the most engaging for people to listen to. And so we felt like what a great way to bring uh, kind of some summation to the end of a period where we were not able to gather by having another conversation. And so uh, the three of us are up here, and we're going to talk about the resurrection. So uh, I'm Kevin. This is Russ, if you do not know Russ, and that is Julie on the far side over here. And uh, we're going to talk a little bit about the resurrection. Russ, I'm going to turn it over to you. Uh, I think I'm going to turn it over to Julie, because you're going to read a passage real I'm quick. Yeah? Read. So Our lovely Brittany already read most of the story um, for today, which was amazing, so we won't read the whole passage, but I just am going to focus on a couple verses here as we enter into our time. So, in Matthew 28, verse 5, after Mary and Mary had come to the tomb, um, they saw the angel, and the angel said to the women, do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he has risen as he said, come see the place where he lay. As uh, Kevin mentioned, one of the things we want to do this morning is have a conversation, and we primarily want to try to answer two questions. And these two questions have been things that I, I think for, for me for a long time have uh, been stirring. What does it really mean? What did the resurrection really accomplish, and how do we actually practice the resurrection? It's one thing to talk about it in theory, it's one thing to think about it theologically, but what did it really accomplish? And then the second question is, how do we practice or live into the resurrection? So, what did it accomplish? (laughs) So, uh, I'll start off and say that certainly there are theological implications. Uh, There are things that took place with the resurrection that, um, for lack of a better term, 
it ushered in a moment where we could actually say what was happening in heaven is also happening on earth, right? It is this, the Lord's Prayer, where we kind of ask God to do something unique. That is something that takes place uh, at the resurrection, this profound moment where there's a shift in reality. Yeah, I think... I think for me, uh, victory is the key word. And I, I even believe on the uh, handouts that you were given, that was one of those phrases uh, that, that the worship team uh, kind of said, hey, maybe think about this. But the idea of uh, the victorious nature of overcoming death. Um, sin <clears throat> was put to death on the cross, but then there had to be an additional part to that story. There had to be that conquering. And uh, the fact that Christ is raised and is, um, was rose from the dead is that pure idea that uh, anything can be overcome through the power of God. And Christ gives us that, and He ushers us into, I think, a life of victory in that way as well, that we no longer have to live kind of in the, in the shackles of sin, but we can actually live a victorious life, understanding that as we partner with Him, as we partner with a living God, that we then have access to that idea of victory over uh, whatever those trials are in our lives. Yeah. I would add uh, one more, and that is that I think the resurrection began to or actually destroyed systems. And what I mean by that is, uh, in the Old Testament, the sacrificial system is set up. There's the tabernacle. There is a clear divide between us and God. Him being in the Holy of Holies, this like sacred space that only one time a year, one individual could go in and kind of mediate between God and man. And we know on the cross that one of the most profound things happened was the curtain was torn in two. It completely destroyed the system of sacrifice and said, now you and I and everyone has direct access to Yahweh. A profound moment. But then the resurrection after that, I think the risenness of Jesus speaks to a whole nother layer. And that really speaks to this idea that we can continue to dismantle the systems, right? That we have direct access, that there's this um, justice and liberation and freedom for everyone that should be as a result of the resurrection. So I think that's another thing for me that the resurrection accomplishes. One of the things... Oh, sorry, Julie, but uh, one of the things that we've talked about a lot is uh, in one of the resurrection accounts, Jesus is actually uh, mistaken for a gardener, and uh, there's some beautiful parallel with that between uh, our, you know, first couple of chapters in Genesis, uh, the garden, the scene from the garden, and now Jesus being mistaken for a gardener. So what, what does that speak to either one of you about the idea of, like, intention and getting back to uh, maybe the original intention? Um, I'm not going to answer that question. I'm going to answer a little different one about Good. the gardener. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Great. Um, no, because as you were talking about that, I was thinking about, I think what the resurrection, I've been thinking a lot about this, and over the past probably five years, I have wrestled with the idea of what the cross is, what it means, how it plays out, did we need it, like, like just all of those questions. Um, and this week specifically brought up some of those questions, and as I was thinking about the resurrection specifically, I was really impacted by both of those things. Uh, what you just shared about the curtain uh, being torn and this accessibility that the resurrection allows us to have with Christ and with God and this relationship and 
um, that God is a personal God, an approachable God, and not this far-off God. And I think the resurrection brings that to us by bringing life. Um, I think I lived a lot of my Christian life uh, without living a life full of life, if that makes sense. It was, I felt very bound um, in a lot of my life growing up. And I think what I have come to realize is that following Christ is about freedom. And I think the resurrection uh, gives us freedom and it gives us life. And so when you're talking about the gardener, I think about <laughs> a garden and planting and bringing life. And that's what this is about. And I think uh, the resurrection really just brings true life. Um, I want to jump off that for a second. Do it. So I don't know if you also have felt what Julie just expressed, which is this um, tension with uh, maybe with the cross or what does it actually provide for us and how is that any different than the resurrection? I, I would suggest that many of us, um, growing up perhaps in the traditions we did within the church, operate more as functional Friday Christians rather than Easter Sunday Christians. And what I mean by that is we are oriented toward the cross, which we know is a transformative event and so significant to our faith. But we orient around that. And what I mean by that is we practice the cross more than we practice resurrection. And practicing the cross, at least in my mind, is this idea of uh, we want to die to self. We want to carry our cross. We feel guilt or shame. We want to somehow earn the favor of God. And, and all of this stuff that's kind of tied up with um, overcoming our sin nature, uh, feeling this tension between did my actions somehow cause the death of Jesus, and, and all of that kind of, for many of us, gets mixed up in it. And that's where we're functionally acting like Friday Christians and forgetting that the resurrection actually happened. And that shift for many of us, including myself, I think is a profound shift. So it takes me to the second question, is what does it really mean to practice the resurrection? What does it mean to practically practice the resurrection? Uh, let me read this quote from Richard Rohr, uh, and I think it kind of gets, um, gets us in line with this question here. It says this, Most of us probably grew up thinking that the resurrection was a one-time miracle about Jesus, an anomaly that, that proved he was God. I believe that Jesus is actually naming and revealing what is happening everywhere, all the time, in God. Jesus' resurrection is a statement about how reality works, always moving toward resurrection. He goes on to say, resurrection is not a miracle as much as it is an enduring relationship. The best way to speak about the resurrection is not to say that Jesus rose from the dead as if it was a self-generated miracle, but to say Jesus was raised from the dead. The eternal Christ is thus revealed as a map, the blueprint, the promise, the pledge, the guarantee of what is happening everywhere, all summed up in one person so we can see it in personified form. So this action of uh, actually practicing the resurrection, that it's happening everywhere, that it's happening all the time, that it wasn't an event that we celebrate that happened 2,000 years ago, but it's actually this ongoing idea of being resurrected. And those things around us, ourselves included, in this continual process of resurrecting. So 
practically speaking, because it's really nice to talk about these things at like a theoretical level, but what does that actually look like? How does that change how we are as people day to day? Go for it. Uh, I think for me, two things kept coming up when I was thinking about this this week. And I think the main one is centered around life. I think we are called to live into this beautiful life and live life to the fullest. Uh, I think with that, we are called to bring life. I think bring, living into the resurrection every day is looking at every situation and choosing, am I bringing life or am I bringing something else into this relationship, into um, conversations, into my work? Uh, there's that verse in Deuteronomy 30 where it says, I've laid before you life and death. Choose life. And I think this is what that means to me, <laughs> is to walk out every day and choose life and to bring life and to bring hope and to bring reconciliation and to bring all of the things, the healing, the liberation, all of those things at a very practical day-to-day -day level. And that can be big, but that also is in a conversation with my kid or in a conversation that I have with Russ. I have the ability to bring life into that because of the resurrection. So what I hear you saying... What I hear you saying is that every single action you take actually matters. Yes. Is because, that a better way to say it? Is that, did you want? Well, I mean, I'm just summarizing, <laughs> yeah. okay. so to speak. Uh, I think we often lose sight of the fact that every single action we have matters not just in the present, but in the future. That we, I want to get to something in a minute about the present risenness of Jesus. Uh, Roar kind of talks about this idea of it being past tense. Um, but before we get to that, I, I do think recognizing that your actions in your body in this moment actually matter because what they are doing, what you're doing is living out the very practical kingdom of God here in this moment. So it isn't just preaching or singing or teaching or what happens here on a Sunday. It's sewing and cooking and befriending and gardening and working. And all of that deeply matters because of the resurrection. If it would have been before the resurrection, it's significant. Maybe it helps with the present reality of life, makes it more bearable. But I think there's something that's different, fundamentally shifts because of the resurrection, so that everything we do matters in the present, but also in the future. Yeah, I think one of the things that's uh, kind of struck me as we've been uh, talking about this in the last uh, week, two weeks, is um, the idea of, uh, or maybe the difference between happiness versus joy, and, and we've talked a, a little bit about this, but... The resurrection to me is, that's the hope. I mean, that is the, the fundamental baseline hope that I have in, uh, in just my faith, my understanding, my worldview. And from that, I get to practice a joyful life. Uh, joy is very different than happiness. Happiness is um, purely based on, situ I mean, it's situational. It's based on emotions. But joy is that thing that we get to choose. And joy is um, a type of life, a worldview that we can live into. And because we are founded in the resurrection, because we are resurrection people, um, because that is the God that we follow, I believe we get to choose joy. One of the really unique things uh, in this last year is that we have lived in a world so disconnected from one another um, that I think it's been really challenging to find joy. 
it's been really challenging to find bright spots and, uh, and to live a life just going from one happy moment to the next and waiting for all that space in between can be a death sentence. But to actually practice and cultivate this idea of joyful living, I believe, as followers of Jesus, is one of the most fundamental ways that we can actually change culture, that we can change the world around us, because we will be recognized as people that are different and recognized as, what does that person have? How are they able to be joyful in those circumstances? And how, I, I, I have to know, you know? Uh, Kevin, how does that play out for you in your life? Like, what does that look like for you yeah. to actually do that? Yeah, so to, again, uh, practical. I, I think for me, um, it takes a, a really measured approach to life. Um, it takes me in the moment, whatever that moment is, to take a, a, an extra second just to say, how am I going to choose to react in this moment? How am I going to choose to be in this moment, because if I were just gonna uh, go, you know, purely based off how did that make me feel and now let me respond, maybe you'd feel this, uh, or maybe you don't, but oftentimes uh, those responses aren't the best responses. Those can uh, come from places that are filled with sadness or anger or, or bitterness or, uh, or some of those emotions, but to actually take a minute to take a deep breath and say, okay, here's my moment. Now I get to choose how I respond. I get to choose how to be. I get to choose the type of posture I carry in this moment. Then I can choose to say, no, I'm a, I'm a, uh, a follower of a resurrected Lord, and I can choose to be joyful. I can choose the way I respond in this moment. Yeah. Um, so one other quick thought. Not only is joy a significant part, but I, I think a underlying hope that kind of springs eternal. You've probably heard the phrase, Christianity is the faith of endless new beginnings. Again, that's only because of the resurrection, that there's this chance to start over. There's something that was dead and now is alive. And it's in everything. A seed has to die before it goes in to create life. And there's this rhythm of death and then re renewal, rebirth, becoming alive again. And I, I think that carries with it a significant hope. I mentioned just a minute ago this idea that there's a present risenness of Jesus. And most of the time that I talk with others about faith and um, Christianity, a lot of it centers around two parts. One, what happened, so past tense, Jesus did this thing, or that thing happened, or looking back in my Bible, I think or believe this. And then there's a lot of future orientation. So because of the resurrection, I get to hope that someday my life won't be totally crappy. It all gets figured out in the end. But what I think both of those perspectives fail to recognize is the present reality of the resurrection that the resurrection is happening again and again and again and again in everyday life. And that maybe one of the most practical ways we can live in or practice the resurrection is with hope believing that reality to be the case. Because I think many of us sitting here might think to ourselves, someday I'll trust that God will do this thing that will change my life. But I think at the same time, some of us sit here and go, 
but I kind of doubt that my marriage will be any different than it is right now. Or I kind of doubt that my work situation is going to change, or the loneliness that I feel in this present moment will be altered in any way or the despair, or the frustration, or the lack of relationship, you, whatever it is that you're thinking of in this moment, there's a bit of us, I think, that doubts, can that change? I know someday it'll change, but can that change, and can it change now? And for me, the resurrection, one of the most practical ways to live in into it is to believe with hope that that which was dead can be made alive again, right? That's the story. That which was dead made alive again. And that's one of the best ways to practice the resurrection uh, from my perspective. All right. Uh, Julie, last thoughts. I was uh, tasked with keeping us on time. So we've got uh, a, about two minutes to finish up. Um, well, I, I have one more thought. I'm just going to say it. Um, so my second thing that has stuck out to me, yeah, sorry guys, I get to do what I want. Um, so the second thing that really stuck out to me was, and part of why I chose to read just that specific spot when the angel says, do not be afraid. Um, I think what, one of the ways that I have practically lived out, or I've been trying to live out the resurrection, uh, kind of goes with what Russ was saying earlier about the systems have been broken. And so I think when Mary and Mary walked up to the tomb, they were expecting one thing from God. They were expecting one thing to be there. And it was completely different <laughs> when they got there, right? And I think that is what my journey has been in the past chunk of time with the Lord, is expecting one thing from God and getting there and feeling scared <laughs> because something totally different hits me in the face. Um, and I think that is where I have found this freedom in the resurrection, is that I do not need to be fearful of that. Um, and some of those systems that have been set in place in my life are allowed to be broken, and I'm allowed to come and see God in a whole new light, um, full of life and challenge and growth, and it's really beautiful. So I, that was just a small little tidbit that I really has been sticking out to me as we've been thinking about this and praying about this and the freedom that comes with the resurrection. Any final thought before I pray? All right. Let's pray. God, we believe in you. We believe in the power of the resurrection, not just as a past event that happened, not just as a future reality we will experience, but we believe in the present risenness of Jesus. We believe that you are in the business of taking things that are dead and making them alive again. And God, we ask in this moment that you would do that in each of our lives, that whatever area of our life we presently feel, there's a bit of death creeping in, a bit of sadness, some hesitation, some doubt. In the midst of all of that, God, will you renew that place of hope? Will you give us joy that goes beyond circumstances and is steadfastly found in you and your son, Jesus? And God, we celebrate today the resurrection. We celebrate that you make things that were once dead alive again. And we pray that you would do that in our lives. We pray that you would continue to do that in this community, that the things that are happening in this city, that the things that are happening in this space would give life to people, would give hope and healing. 
And we know that it is only possible by the power of your resurrection. And so we ask you, Lord, to visit us in unique ways in this year ahead. May you continue to work in our midst. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Let me, uh, let me say one last thing. So uh, part of why we have three of us up here is uh, also a kind of a subtle way to inform or re-inform one of our values, and those values is that we love conversation. Uh, and we would even say it might be more valuable than lectures. And so certainly there are times when you will have one person up here that will teach uh, more in a tr kind of traditional sense, but we want to we talk about Scripture. We want to have conversations, and we want to equip our people to actually meet together and wrestle with the Scripture and wrestle with life, because that's where people grow. That being said, new community, would you stand with me as I read this benediction over us? At one time, the divine appeared in elemental form, just a flame, a burst of energy connected to our curiosity. In another time, the same God appeared in flesh and blood. He lived among us, ate, drank, laughed, and wept. He felt our wounds, carried our burdens, and shouldered our chains. In dying, our chains were broken. In resurrection, we are redeemed. The God who came to us in our infancy comes to us now, fully realized, fully revealed, fully glorified. In Christ, we are reconciled and seen, not as accidents or mistakes, not for the sum of our failures. We are seen as we are. So new community, go forth and take peace in the promise that I am, He is, we are. Amen. Go in peace, new community.